Hey, welcome back, everybody. Christian here. This is another episode of Super Fast Income. And today I'm with Alex Nico. She is a Web3 specialist. And today is going to tell us everything about Web3, the opportunities, the challenges, and what to be aware of. So welcome, Alex, to the show. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. How are you? Outstanding. Thank you. So tell us a bit about yourself and how you got involved into Web3. So long story short, I have been working for early stage tech startups for the last 12 years from, um, for companies from, from Asia, the US, Europe. I'm currently based in Europe, but I've mostly worked um, internationally like most of my life. And about two years ago, I quit my job. I was coming after like a pretty, really heavy burnout, you know, in 2020. Everybody started going, um, staying home to work. I started going to, to the office. So after a year and a half, um, having a, a pretty crazy journey, having raised like a million dollars in three hours, um, that's, I think that's, that's a story for another day. I quit my job and I said, like, I, I need like to take a break. And I also got COVID right after it. So <laughs> it was the perfect time for me to not see anybody and to just stay home and take it easy. And a friend of mine has been trying to like get to me to work with them. And I told them like, look, I don't know anything about Web3. Can you just like leave me alone? Like, no, no, no. You can bring a lot of the expertise that you already have. And I said, okay, maybe I can help you with something small. I was thinking maybe I can do a part-time or like a couple of hours a week just to get some money in. And then I'll figure out like what would be my next step. Mostly because I haven't applied for a job for like five years in a row. So all the contracts that I had were um, recommendation after recommendation. So happily, like I didn't have to look for anything. And long story short, I started working with them. And I think like a month and a bit in, they told me that they're actually moving the entire team to Barcelona. And I was like, well, I've been wanting to move to Barcelona for a very long time. I, I knew it was going to be a pretty crazy ride. I just didn't know how crazy it's going to be. And long story short, I moved to Barcelona. I worked with them for almost a year. Um, they also sent me to Avalanche Summit last year, which is one of the biggest conferences on the Avalanche blockchain and the community and so on. And I think that was kind of the moment that really opened my eyes towards like the opportunities um, that are in Web3. And I was like, oh, there are actually jobs there. Oh, there's actually more than I thought. It's not all a scam. Um, unfortunately, the company that I was working with, um, they never went live with the product. Um, they spent a lot of money on some sort of marketing, but it was like pretty bad decisions uh, because they wanted to do what they've done before, even if they knew that it's not going to work, but they just wanted to like spend a lot of money. Um, but I think like we can get into like some of the tactics that they have used like a bit, a bit later in this episode. And basically, that, that was one of the reasons why I decided to part ways, mostly because I wanted to work for a project that where I can actually see the impact, where I can see the product going live, where I can see a community growing. And I felt like I wasn't really getting anywhere. Um, and I think like it's been like more than two years um, and I never went live with the product. They spent more than $2 million, uh, which is like very unfortunate. And I think it happens many, many times in Web3 from, from what I heard. I'm not the first one to, to hear that I've been like, Camped in this sense, meaning that like I've worked for a project that was a bit fishy from the beginning, let's say. And uh, ever since last year, I've, I've started to, to get involved a lot more. I joined Shifai, which is one of the biggest women-led communities, educational communities in the world. In the, in the cohort that I was part of in the seventh cohort last year, we were like women from uh, 40 countries. So it's like a pretty big thing. 
Um, I've also joined one of their events in Paris at HCC this year, which was also pretty interesting to actually see people in real life, you know, like you've been talking to them for so long. And uh, I've also started my podcast. And I think that was one of the biggest driver to drive the conversation about Web3 marketing because there are barely any resources out there, like educational resources, which I think is one of the biggest issues in Web3, let's say. Um, there are a lot of enthusiasts, but uh, it's a bit complicated to to actually know what you're doing and not to just kind of go like the blind in the dark, <laughs> kind of trying to figure out your way. And I think one of the, that was one of the biggest motivators that I've had to to push to move forward to to see what other companies are doing in the space, what other stuff that I, I can learn. And you know, everything is just it's a it's a snowball effect, like. The, it's and it's a rabbit hole like the more you dig into it the more interesting it gets and it never ends you're like oh my god I'm so fascinated <laughs> and basically what an that's exciting how starting you touch so many points that I want to really go deep into it so for everybody just listening tuning in what is the web 3 especially after you had some uh, really intense experience especially when you started so if you had to define it what would you say? If you go it by from a dictionary definition, let's say web one was when you only had like a landing page and you couldn't do anything. It was like around the 2000s, like around there. Then uh, the blogs came up so you could actually interact and you can actually produce content by yourself. Uh, but you couldn't, you couldn't really prove that it was yours, let's say. And web three, I think it, it enhances this decentralization where your data and whatever you're putting out there is yours. Um, so for example, if in Web2, for example, Google and Facebook are owning your data and what you're producing, I think in, in, web, in Web3 right now, through the help of blockchain, um, you can actually own what, you, what you're putting out there, the, the information about yourself and so on. We have not yet heard of data breaches in Web3, at least from what I know. Um, so it's a bit more secure from, from this standpoint. Uh, and it was actually very funny because I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about millennials and Gen Zs, right? And they were asking, so they were saying, oh, if you ask a millennial, like if you tell them millennial, I'm going to pay you $10,000 for your data, they'll be like, okay, where do I sign? Uh, but if you ask a Gen Z, if you tell them the same thing, they will say like, no, I will never sell you my data. So it's a lot more focused on owning what you what you have and what you put out there. Um, and I think it's also very, if I were to explain it in a very, very easy way, instead of like going through this definition, let's say I would say it's anything related to blockchain, um, crypto, NFTs, um, even AI now, even if some people call it emerging tech, but it's, it's still related to, to Web3 from what I know. Um, so anything related to that, that, that I would call Web3. Awesome. So it's, it's not something that you see online and you recognize. It's more a concept that embody different things. Is that right? Yes. If you go, I think like if you go on like pretty specific projects or if you hear words like decentralized, blockchain, tokens, NFTs, that would be a pretty clear indication that it's anything related to Web3. Otherwise, um, maybe it's a bit more complicated. Got it. So you said in the beginning that you got into this project and it was quite fishy and it didn't work very well for you, but you still got hooked. So what is exactly that you like about it? To be totally honest with you, I like it 
there are two main things I like about it. Of course, I, I really relate to, to the data ownership, to owning, to the decentralization of stuff um, and so on. I'm a big supporter of that. But at the same time, I think there are two big things that I really, really like about it. One is that, as I said, it's a rabbit hole. It's such a great learning experience for me right now. And as somebody said to me on LinkedIn the other day, I'm kind of sick of doing marketing for dentistry and lawyer office, right? Um, of course, like I haven't really worked for like so this kind of traditional businesses, mostly tech. But at the same time, I feel like I was kind of running the same thing uh, over and over again. Whereas right now, everything is so new. new it's so exciting. There's so much to learn. So if you're an avid learner like myself, it's an amazing place to be. People are a lot more open. So for example, if in Web2, let's say, people are a bit more, I wouldn't really say they look down to you, but I would say that maybe they're a bit more, it's harder to speak to them. In Web3, people are a lot more approachable. Sometimes it's, it's a bit hard to, to get to them, but like, I've been featured, I remember the first, the first time I remember I, I found out about it was I think last summer when I put together a list of Web3 podcasters that are women or something like this. I made it on, I made a post on LinkedIn and then I got featured in a pretty big newsletter of women in Web3. And it was like uh, right under like a pretty big name, like Haley Berry or something like this. And I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't. I would have never fathomed that to have my name there. And the, the person who, who did the, the newsletter told me like, look, this is, this is the power of Web3. You can be at the same level with everybody, which is also something else that I really like. And I think the last thing is that when it comes to the marketing side of things, a lot of the marketing goes back to basics, community building, doing something good. I feel like in Web2, many times I would end up or like people would hire me and be like, oh my God, Alex, we have like so much to do. And then the first thing they would say, we need like user acquisition. What do we do? We do ads. We do email campaigns. Whereas here, I think the, the, the relationship building part of things, it's a lot more genuine. It does take a lot more time, but you build the product with the community, which is, I think, one of the most powerful things and one of the most beautiful things. That's why I liked marketing in the first place. And I re I'm really happy to, to kind of go back to basics, let's say. <laughs> oh, I know you are a people person, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. All right, so what are the opportunities? I think like if we are looking from a company's standpoint, I think that's one of the most important things to, to mention maybe, because I think for any kind of other person like BizDev or partnerships or marketing or development and so on, I think there are opportunities like as anywhere else, right? Like the, the rabbit hole I was talking about. But when it comes to, to companies, I think there is a great monetization opportunity there. And I think many times people are very scared because they heard about all these scams in Web3 or most of the, I think the media calls it crypto, that it doesn't really call it Web3. So I think that's a lot of people are very scared of it. But at the same time, a lot of companies like really big companies, um, they're building loyalty programs or they're getting into the metaverse and so on. Um, and then you actually think about it and you're like, well, is there really an opportunity there or is it all scam? And to just give a couple of examples, there is, um, I think one of the 
one of the most known, let's say, was his loyalty program that was launched, I think, last year. Can't remember exactly. I hope I'm not mistaken. That was actually that was a pretty big launch. I think Sephora also is kind of getting into Web three with also a loyalty program. Nike has like Nike Land in the metaverse where you like you play a game, you get rewards, and then you transform that into like discounts for shoes. I know banks that got I can't remember right now the name of this bank, but it was a pretty big bank in the U.S. Um, I think it was either the biggest or one of the biggest in the U.S. that got into the metaverse and basically. They understood the opportunity of having transactions through crypto or through from fiat, from crypto to normal money, let's say. We call it fiat. But so I think there were a lot of opportunities there. And I think somebody that doesn't really look into it like deeply to, to understand if their product or service would really fit into something like Web3 or it could be an extension of what it already has. I think it's a missed opportunity. And if you, if you ask me, oh, what like, People say that it's going to be done in a couple of years and so on. I don't think so. I think there's such a big place to grow and going to all these big events like conferences that I've been going to and seeing so much enthusiasm and a lot of money being put into all the solutions. I don't believe it's going to go anywhere. And I think the biggest adoption uh, drivers are going to be the big companies like the corporations which already have a big database uh, not like the small ones let's say because the small ones like it's, it's going to be it's going to take a couple of years more to be able to to get there but the big ones they already have a database they already have like a lot of customers and i think these they are going to be the biggest drivers to what we will see in the future awesome so you mentioned different partners different projects and for someone who to get more involved into Web3, where would you start? Who do you speak with? What kind of people would you hire in your team? One of the biggest mistakes that I've noticed is that people don't really know what to look for. So I think the most important thing as a marketer, I would tell you, as if you're a founder, um, I would tell you, look at your objectives. You want to get into Web3? Okay. Maybe why? What would be your driver? Try to understand a bit the scene. Try to understand a bit the opportunities. And based on that, you make a decision to move forward and then you look for people. Web3 marketing agencies have been launched uh, in the last two years. I can't remember exactly the data, but just to give an example, on LinkedIn in 2020, there were around 3,000 um, Web3 specialists. Right now, they're about like 20,000. Just to give you an example of the magnitude of, of this thing. And many times, all these marketing agencies have hired people that had no idea what they were doing because they had like a Web2, Web2 background and they were doing marketing like in Web2. And you're like, it's not exactly what we can do. And they were like a lot of thrown money right, right and left and not so many great results. So I think that brought a lot of frustration on many companies out there. So I think one of the one of the things to be to be really looking into is to see who are these people that you want to work with, if you want to work with an agency, and if yes, for what kind of services. Um, sometimes like having at least a marketing person in your team that can drive this conversation will be super super important. Um, and it also it also depends on like what is the stage you're in with your development. Of course, like you need 
and company to, to develop all this like techie stuff for you, um, but also a marketing person that has a bit of a background, understands a bit the scenes, the tools, knows the people. I think that would be like an ideal case scenario, let's say. And then try to get an agency that can help you enhance like whatever you, you have out there. Budgets are a lot bigger in Web3 compared to Web2. So for example, if with a couple of thousands of dollars, you would be able to do, do some user acquisition in Web2. In Web3, I wouldn't really say it's impossible, but it's a lot harder. So basically, it would be very important to, to know the people that you're working with and to really pay attention to that. So I think that would be like the best advice I can maybe give to start. Awesome. So obviously I love marketing. This is what we do day in, day out. And you mentioned that normal marketing, traditional marketing for web two wouldn't work probably for web three would be a different approach, right? And you mentioned also that web three is building more around community. So why is that, that web three is building more around communities and actually how do they use it to leverage project and grow project bigger than web two? That would be very interesting to understand. My best guess would be because there was such a big push on transparency in Web3 compared to Web2. And I think people wanted to build the communities so that they can have a product that people would actually use. And because Web3 also enhances this part where your users are also some owners of, you, of the company that you're, you're building through NFTs, through tokens, through all sorts of incentives. My best guess is that this is one of the reasons why communities have been built in such a way and why they were so important in Web3. I think it makes sense because there is finance and so they get the finance from that community and they build something that is very new. So they need also constant validation and input from the end user. So yeah, it makes sense. What are some of the biggest Web3 platforms where we can learn more with you know, check out what they're doing. I think Twitter, there is this concept called crypto Twitter. It took me a bit to, to figure out like what is actually this. Like crypto Twitter is pretty big and you can see a lot of really amazing people that have built or shared numbers and how their journey has, has been going. I know a lot of founders that have done that and this is how they've built transparency and, and the community around them. I know a lot of projects that have done that as well. Marketers, you name it. So I think Twitter has been a platform that has been really supporting this Web3 movement, if you want to, if you want to call it like this. And I think right now there are a lot of other platforms such as like Lens Protocol or Forecaster, which are like decentralized social media platforms. And they focus a lot on the monetization and the community growth for content creators it, because it's, you're just Many times you're not just there to like lurk around, right? Like sometimes like you just want to build an audience. And for example, like if, if right now Instagram wants to take all your followers off, it can actually do that. But on platforms like this, you have a bigger, like you have access to your, to your users, like with your email addresses, through wallet addresses, you can actually put token gated content. So it's a lot more about the ownership that I was talking initially. So I think these are some platforms that anybody should be paying a lot more attention to, if, when it, especially when it comes to Web3. Okay, so I'll make sure to make this one in the description of the 
podcast. If you are just listening to the podcast, just go to superfastincome.com and you will find it. Awesome. So what are some of the marketing know-how that you should know about? Like, what are some of the marketing strategies that we can learn from the Jibber 3? I think like anything that's related to community building is very, very important. Something else that's also very important to mention is that Web3 has been built quite a lot on co-partnerships and co-marketing campaigns. I don't think that's discussed enough in, in Web2. Sometimes they're being done, but I think in Web3, the support has been a lot bigger and the push has been a lot bigger and the results have been better, let's say, when it comes to the growth of any project than anything. It was a really big, it was quite a couple of years where everybody was just doing like airdrops after airdrops, which from what I'm seeing right now, wasn't such a great idea because it kind of motivated people to just be there for the rewards. They were not really there for the real thing. But it was many times like a lot of marketing agencies, for example, they, this is what they would give you, which I don't think is exactly, it's not what we're seeing so much anymore. There are still airdrops, but as long as like they're like more targeted, like you do it for like a real purpose, not to just dump some coins. Where can you dribble the concept of airdrops? Because maybe not many people know about it. I think people were just asked to do a couple of, of things or to register on a list and then they would be, they would leave their wallet, wallet addresses. A wallet address is like a digital address. It's like a, a wallet, but it's digital basically. And then they would leave their wallet addresses and then they would be sent some tokens from a company. The reason why many companies have done that, or one of the reasons why they have done that is because, and there's a pretty nice logic around it, is that once somebody has your token, would be a bit more interested to see like what you're doing to support your community, to try to bring your partners and to be part of it basically because they have a stake in the game. So especially many times if they've been, if they've ended up with like, I don't know, some like tens of, tokens at least sometimes it would go from like very low value to a very high value especially in the last two years let's say right now we're going through a bear market which means that it's it's a lot slower it's just a building mode there's not so much money going around but in the last two years it, at least and I can only talk about in the last two years because that's what I've been around for how long I've been around that's one of the reasons why yeah, these companies have done that and a lot of uh, projects have like double strip or their value or like maybe so I, I know projects that have ended up with tokens that have like that uh, grew their value like 10 times and just like in a very, very short amount of time, which means that a lot of people got rich this way and then maybe dumped them, which means that they sold them and they right now they don't have it. So it was like very speculative thing. And that's one of the reasons why airdrops maybe are not so popular anymore. Even if like the, the main reasoning was like super smart and it makes, made a lot of sense. But this thing with the speculation and you being allowed to, to sell your tokens like right after it got a, a thing raised in price, it was, it kind of damaged a lot of projects because then you, you, sell the, you sell the tokens and then the price goes down again. So basically it affects like the long-term perspectives, let's say. So that was, that's, that's one of the reasons why things were, were a bit more complicated. And what else to mention? I think like loyalty programs was something that was very, very important or is very, very important in Web3. 
And it's it's very funny because like absolutely every single time I go to an event or I meet other people, they're like, oh my God, Alex, you know, Web3 marketing is so different from, from Web2. No, it's not. Who will tell you this? It's not. Basically, the concepts are the same. Marketing is, is the same. It was the same 20 years ago. It was the same 10 years ago. It's the same, right? The only thing is that maybe concepts change. Maybe approaches change. Maybe toolings are being changed. There are a couple of hundreds new tools like CRMs or loyalty programs or analytics tooling for like blockchain is on, which it's, it's a bit different or like the, the kind of data that you're tracking is a bit different from what you would normally do as a marketer or as a founder or like as anybody that's looking at numbers. But basically the concepts are the same. So going back to the, to the loyalty programs, there were similar stuff in Web2 as well. Right now, there may be a bit more enhanced in Web3 through all sorts of incentives. You, the gamification side of thing, it's a lot bigger, but they're basically same, same as different. We both lived in Asia. I think <laughs> we, we know the concept. It's that kind of, yeah, that's kind of what I would, what I would call a couple of differentiators when it comes to like Web2 to Web3. There are, of course, like, there are a lot more and like stuff that you would use in Web2. They don't work the same way, but at the same time, yeah, this would be some things to, to pay attention to. You mentioned partnership. So when you said partnership, you mean partnership with influencers? You mean partnership with companies? You mean all sorts of partnerships? Like how the Web3 leverage partnerships to grow their impact, influence, their projects? How do they do? When I refer to partnerships, I'm mostly referring to, other com- to partnering with other companies in Web3. Most because they were interested in your product, maybe because it was great for their community, maybe because they were bigger, maybe because they were supporting you. It doesn't really matter. So this partnership between like two web th- two or multiple web three companies has been something to look into and something that a lot of companies have been taking advantage of. Something else, you mentioned influencer marketing. Influencer marketing has been really, really big in Web3 and I think still is. The only thing is that I think in Web3, there are two things which I think are not in Web2. I think in Web2, they call it all influencers. Whereas in Web3, they call it influencers and KOLs, key opinion leaders. And these key opinion leaders are people who actually have an opinion in the space. They're building their entire brand around there. Whereas influencers, they're just like people randomly promoting stuff or they have an audience and so on. And to give an example, we used to work with an agency and they had to send us like a list of 10 10 influencers to work with. And I do not exaggerate 100% of them there were random projects, zero value. It looked like there was a bot like behind that account. And some of them had like a very, very big reach, like 50,000 followers, 100,000 followers. But the, if you looked at the engagement, it was like super, super low, was really bad. And it, it was just a bunch of shinning of projects for like no real reason. 
and we realized that this is actually going to damage our our brand long term because what if somebody starts like commenting randomly about like the project that were there which is exactly what happened so after one post like we didn't want to do it anywhere but like after one post we're like let's stop this like this is not going to get us anywhere and it didn't even get us like a click on the website imagine that it was so bad and you, you can't have that with 100,000 followers like it's it's ridiculous Therefore, I think a lot more other people were like focusing on real influencers or like KOLs, people with like real audiences, even if they were smaller. But at the same time, maybe YouTube influencers, for example. I know for sure there were situations in which like many of them, they took a, like an influencer fee, let's say, but it also took uh, a percentage of the sales they were generating. And I know somebody who's done over a million dollars in sales through their YouTube channel and through what they were promoting, which means that this is the kind of partnership that you want to look into. Otherwise, it's, you should not be like throwing your money. <laughs> to be totally honest with you. I don't know if you can share some numbers, but how much an influencer get paid to promote some sort of Web3 project on average? I think it really depends on the person but normally i think it goes from two to three thousand dollars to many many thousands of dollars to give you an example we used to work with this agency which is formatted as a dao as a dao is like a decentralized organization and basically it wasn't like a normal agency which has like a, a, a core team or whatever and it has a couple of other people you as a project would get a grant, you would go to them and tell them like, hey, I need like this, 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 this. They, were, they had like very few services anyway. And for example, there were people that would charge $250 for a Twitter thread, which is like more tweets put in, in one, one thread and you can see there's one post. And there were people that would charge me $750 for one thread. Of course, you work on it, but I don't think it would take you more than two hours to do that, which means that you charge me more than $300 per hour, which is pretty high fee, if you ask me. That's why I was saying that if you are planning to get into Web3, you should expect pretty big like prices. But at the same time, if you do it right, I think the returns are going to be um, much bigger. So, yeah. Let's say someone wants to start investing in Web3 projects. And you mentioned so many projects that don't go anywhere. So how do you make sure that the project you are investing in is actually a real project? I, If I were to look at, uh, at the project, I would look at probably three things. One is the team. In Web3, a lot of companies didn't want to, they wanted to go anonymous, you know, uh, and it, I think it worked for a, quite a long time. But I think right now, and one of the things I really liked, it was somebody in my podcast, I mentioned that they said, well, you know, everybody is, wants to go anonymous and so on. But at the same time, people that invest in you, they want to see a face. They want to see at least a central face, which kind of goes a bit against the, what they were trying to do in, in Web3, let's say. But at the same time, I think that that's right now is like very, very important. I think this anonymous thing doesn't go, or like you can't really build something sustainable without showing your face. 
maybe you don't want to like get yourself out there as much, but at the same time, people need, need to see a face. They need to check you out to see what you've been doing. It's basically as in any other company, like if you invest in any kind of product in like in this world, right? You, that's kind of like your review, let's say. Then something else I would look at is the community. Do they have a community? And yes, how do they build it? Is it on Discord? Is it on Twitter? Do they have an engagement? What are they offering? How are they treating the community and so on? I think this is very, very important because like if they don't really have that and it's just like a bunch of bots or like they have like very big numbers on Twitter, for example, that it's not really real numbers or they're not really engaging, you, you can smell something's a bit fishy there. Maybe you don't know exactly what, but you might smell. And there's something else that's very, very important, I would say, is the tokenomics. The tokenomics are like an, an economical paper, let's say, that any Web3 company has where they say exactly how the project works, if they have any tokens, if they have any utility, and so on. What are they expecting? How, basically everything you should know about the project. Some tokenomics are very big, let's say, which I, it is not necessarily a bad thing. And white papers, these are two things that you should be looking at to see exactly if they really put something out there or it's just like a random text just to be thrown there at the beginning of the of a project. Some projects, because maybe they're at the beginning, they have something called light papers, which is a white paper, but it's it's a light it's lighter, let's say. It doesn't have like that many that much information. But this would be the three things that I would look at to see what they're building and how they're building. And of course, how can I forget? What is this project about? You know? Because I think many times People were just building products and they would, they had like a really big chance of like being su successful in the sense that like it would make you, it could make a lot of money, but it had no real utility. So if you want something longer term, I think the real utility would be something very important to look at. Yeah, I think it's full of scam still, and we need some cleanup of the Web3 scenes before more people will join and uh, we contribute to projects to grow to give her three. So how do you help people? Why people should reach out to you? Because I think it's so new that it's even difficult to understand how to engage with people that are guest specialists. So I offer a couple of services. I offer services such as marketing strategy, where I can help you like set up the goals and move forward. I also help on the user growth side of things. I have some really, really good partners that I trust because user growth is not exactly done uh, like in Web2 when you just like throw a bunch of money in ads. This is a bit of a more difficult situation. Therefore, I think it's something something that I can do and, and I can help with. Um, anything related to like brand marketing. Awesome, awesome. Alex, thank you so much for your time and for bringing us into the divide. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Bye.